Casting with Kerry Jones. This week's episode is the story of my £19 Ferox, one of my biggest from Loch Corrib. Even though I've been a fly fisherman all my life, the last 15 plus years or so, I see me having a passion, an obsession even you could say, for these large trouts. Since starting my podcast channel, I've often been asked for my stories and how I catch these specimens, so this is the first of a few episodes I will be putting up from time to time. This was a special fish and an experience I will never forget. I hope you'll enjoy my story of the 19-pound ferox. It was spring 2011. It was the middle of May I went over this particular year. and I wanted to fish the last two weeks of May. It had been a difficult few weeks. I had to fish around about, um, I think it was seven and a half on the third day of the trip which is a good start. But it turned out to be a really tough couple of weeks because we had storms and gales and wind continuously for two weeks. But still, not daunted, I was going out every day. The earliest I was out was about four o'clock in the morning. Because sometimes even when you get rough for horrible days, the, mo- the early, early mornings can be quite calm, sort of the calm before the storm. So I get up, and try it. And um, it, it was a lovely morning and, you know, you're having a few bumps, takes, which was encouraging, but again, the wind came as usual. I was a little bit daunted now, you know, each day coming in, no fish, which is quite common because you're fishing for ferox and blanking comes the norm. And it can be quite tough sometimes when you're coming off the lake and you're going to the bar for a few pints and you see these fishermen fishing their flies and you ask how they've been doing and they are talking about the fish they had in the day and they might have had two fish or maybe three fish and you know what's coming in they say have you had anything and I say no it's a few it didn't stick but I know one of these days that they'll forget those two and three fish but they won't forget 20 pound trout so anyway on the last day Again, I was praying no more wind because the wind was relentless. I, I didn't have one day of calm since I was there. So anyway, I woke up on the 14th day and I was staying in Burke's Bar in Clonbur. Room 5, which is my lucky room, because in the past I've stayed there and I've had great fishing. But this time I thought, oh, room 5 isn't working for me. So anyway, I put all my gear in the car I drive down to Kong, to the roach pond where I had my boat. Put everything in the boat, I put my rods, the box, and uh, my wet gear, make sure everything was with me. And when people go fishing on holidays to Ireland, more often than not, they might have a ghillie or a guide. We'll do all the preparation, bailing the boat out beforehand, going to the petrol station, filling the tank for the fuel, ready for the day. But it's quite a task when you start doing this every day or every other day. It it takes about an hour of preparation before you actually go out on the lake. It wasn't an early start this one particular day. It was probably around about, I would say, half ten. 
and it's nice and calm. It's very deceiving. The roach pond is, is wooded all around, and it looked very calm, and I thought, oh, maybe today is going to be the day. So you're going to have a little bit of enjoyment instead of fighting the wind. So I set up the two rods, put them into the boats. At this point, I'll mention that the, the gear I use for trolling for my ferox are two 10-foot grey spinning rods and two Shimano bait runner reels loaded with 18-pound nylon. I used to use braid, but no more. You, you need that little bit of give when a fish takes. So anyway, I loaded up and I had two fresh roach, lovely looking roach as bait. I mounted them on these certain mounts which I've got. I can come onto the mounts um, on another podcast. Because there's a lot more to it. It's not just sticking a fish on a hook and just trolling behind the boat. Some people think. Because I've been fly fishing all my life. And realised there's a lot of skill and art and knowledge about fly fishing. The mistake a lot of people think about trolling it's just someone driving around the lake with a bait at the back. Take it from me, there's a lot more to it than that. And there's as much knowledge needed for trolling to getting big fish than there is in fly fishing. There's an understanding which you need of the, the contours of what's under the water. And it does make a difference when you're trolling. So if you're trolling into these taking zones, which you only learn through time, and there's certain areas which fish better certain times of the day. But the most important factor when you're trolling is the direction of the wind. Because of the terrain underneath and around the islands, trolling with a certain wind, you've got to keep a certain line to keep on the ledge underneath, which if you don't know the ledge is there, you're going to be wasting your time. But anyway, I'll be coming on to that in another episode. So anyway, I set up, so it's about half lemon now, I reckon. So I thought, right. So I untied the boat from the jetty, headed out towards the lake. And as you come to Ashwood Bay, the shelter of the islands gives a false hope that there's a little bit of calm. So as I headed out of the islands, the wind was behind me because it was a north wind, which isn't a great wind and a cold wind. But as I go from the islands... You soon meet the big waves and the troughs and the rollers, which is exciting. It gets the stomach excited, you know. Well, you're up on the top of a wave and next thing you go down into the trough and up and down, which is great fun, but it makes uncomfortable fishing. When you're trolling, anyway, I do love that weather for fly fishing. But when you're trolling and you've got the rods out, it is very uncomfortable. But my experience through all these years of fishing always big weather big fish and i put it down to it's very similar to us going to a pub the wave is oxygenating the water so there's a lot of oxygen on the surface these big rolling waves crashing so the fish love it it's like a freshness in the air and they just love being out and about in the big wind but disaster stuck straight away before i even start fishing and next thing the, one of the oars I didn't actually fit on the, the rowlock proper and as the boat went down to the trough it went bang the boat hits the bottom of this trough and judders and as I did that an oar just slipped off the edge of the boat crack onto one of my rods shattered it 
So then I thought to myself, there's a shame. But no, you can imagine how I felt, I thought. Do I carry on and fish the one rod for the rest of the day? And I thought, no, there's no point. You might, obviously, it's going to take time again to go back and get another spare rod, which I did have. I'll carry on. But anyway, I thought, no, no, no. There's only one thing for it. I've got to go back. Now, at that stage, it was the 14th day, the last day, I thought, I did feel like, ah, oh, geez, you know what? I've had enough. But no, I drove back into the roach pond. And as I was back in the roach pond then, I thought, I can't just leave the gear in the boat. Even though I've never had nothing disappear from the roach pond. You know, you, you don't know who's about. And it, was, it wasn't worth taking a risk. So I put most of the gear back in the car. I went back up from Kong, up into Clombeur, and back into the room then, into the pub, got my spare rod. And then, but actually, when I was actually on the way back out, Thomas Burke and Owen Burke were outside. And they were saying, I thought you just went. And I thought, I did. And I explained then that uh, I had to come back then for my other rod. And uh, they couldn't believe, they said, geez, you've got some dedication, especially on the last day. And they said, why don't you just come back and have some lunch and have a, a couple of pints and just finish off the trip. And I said, no, i got to get out there. And as most people probably would have done that. But, you know, when you've got this Ferlox bug like I have, you know, it's not as if I can go any day. i got plenty of time back home to sit down in a bar. I'm out in the west and I got a chance to fish the Corrib and like the saying goes, relentlessness gets rewards. And it did prove to be that. So I drove all the way back down to Kong, put everything back in the boat again and it must have been, I think, about one o'clock. So the whole morning had gone. I headed over towards Inchigil and it was difficult and it was really windy, big wind. Now, if you imagine, yeah, there's a northerly blowing straight towards, well, the point of Duras and expanse of water towards Inchigil so you're looking at so I was out about four miles out in the lake now and it was really uncomfortable big rollers and when the, the thing is when you're in a big wave and you've got the rods out the rods go in the water and that's the reason why it's uncomfortable it rocks and your line they're bouncing but but anyway I've, I've done it for, for for years so I got used to it make the most of it but it's nice to have a nice day now and again when, it's, when it, you don't have to do that. So anyway, I fished for about, about, about two hours and I thought, oh, it's time for a break now. Because it is vitally important to have a break. It's good for the soul and the mind. When you're out in that lake doing it all the time, it, it can get you. So I headed into Cleanalon, which is a lovely island. with a, It's almost like a horseshoe shape, so you can go in. It's nice and secluded. And then I thought to myself, right, very often I'll make a fire and cook steaks and this and the other or, or and some peppers and mushrooms and, or even sausages if you want a quick one. But I thought, no, the last day, no, make the most. I want to be on the water fishing. So then I just made a few sandwiches. I still lit the fire though. So I lit the fire and sat down at the edge of the water. And I'm watching in the calmness of the inside of this horseshoe in the island. And I could see this little trout. And he must have been, you know, I don't know, eight ounces, something like that. Only a small trout. 
but he was feeding really well on Mayfly. And I thought to myself, one day he's going to be a big fella. He carries on like that. So I was sitting by the comfort of a, a nice fire, watching this little trout. And everything in life was great, you know. We thought, this is what it's all about. I finished my sandwiches and my cuppa. It's packing up. I told the little trout, help me find the big lad in the lake. So I jumped in the boat then. I motored off and go round towards Inchigil again. By now, there was big, not so much the rollers, it was gustiness, you know. And I thought, oh, is this going to stop? I was on the engine going down towards Inchigil, about four miles out in the lake. And the adrenaline is good, mate, but all of a sudden, it starts getting worse. I'm not sure what the strength of the wind was. It was something like a storm for 10, and I mean, it was big wind. And at this point then, the rods were slapping the waves, and I just lost it. I screamed at the sky, telling it to stop blowing. And the weird thing was, it started to stop. Coincidence or what? Or they must, the gods must have thought, I'll give this guy a break now. He's been here for some time, and the wind dropped. Only a little, but it was a lovely soft wind then. You hear it very often in Ireland. There's a soft wind. There's no scurrying the gusts on the water. It's just nice, slow. People who are experienced it, you'll know what I mean. There's a lovely roll on the water, and it's so comfortable. And the sky went dark, really dark. And that deep grey colour came onto the water. It's almost like a mercuriness to it. There's times I've been there, and when you know that happens, you've just got to switch on, put everything into it. Because there are times, it's almost like a sixth sense, when the light and wind comes together, a certain time, you know things are going to happen. So hurriedly, I quickly turned the boat around, I like to row with the wind. The baits I find behind the boat then are better than when you're on the engine. So I turned the boat around quickly in the direction where the wind would have been with me. As I do this, I arc around, jump on the middle seat, and I start rowing. And that feeling, the electricity is in the air, because I know what's going to happen. I'm just starting to row in and row in with the wind. Next thing, it happens. The left rod just arced round and screamed. And that was it. Ah, that feeling when you see that rod just screaming off, it makes all the blanks worthwhile. And you can tell almost instantly that it's a good fish. So I just got up quickly, grabbed the rod, pulled it up with the rod holder, lifted it, Next thing, you can feel, I, I knew it was heavy then. And it kept going, and it kept going, and it kept going. And I thought, geez, if this is going one way, I'm going the other way. And I was looking down at the spool. The spool is going down and down and down. So quickly, what I did then, I, there's, there's a little bit of a knack to it. As soon as you know that you've got a fish on, the, the other rod is in the holder on the other side. So you wind the rod quite quickly while the rod is in the holder to bring the other rod in while trying to keep tightness 
of the other rod. Your head is all over the place at this point. But So anyway, I did that. I pulled the rod in and put it just to the side. Now it was just me and the fish now. And I thought, right. And, and then at this point, it just stayed. And it must have been probably about 60, 70 yards away. And I could feel the doggedness, the knocking. And again, it was still dark, which is, which added to it. And the softness in the air. And I thought, oh, does this get any better? Anyway, the fish came slowly, gradually, after a few minutes, nearer the boat. And then he went round the boat, which went without me seeing it. But I still knew it was a good fish by the weight. Up to this point, my biggest was 14 and a half. So I knew this was a good fish, probably bigger. The chances are it could have been a pike, I thought. But no, a pike do fight differently. In my head, this had to be a trout. Came round the boat, and I'm going from one end of the boat to the other. And what these big fish tend to do, you will try to run under the boat. And in doing that, if you just put your rod under, there's a good chance that your line is going to rub under the gallow and you're going to lose it. So what I do, I'm one step ahead. As soon as it comes towards the boat, I'm waiting for that moment. And then as soon as it does it, whichever in the boat I'm nearest to, I quickly go to that end, put my rod in the water, as far as I can, with my arm in sometimes, and then to make sure that the line doesn't rub under the boat. So this fish did it about two or three times. It was a clever old fish, you know. And uh, run again, probably a similar sort of run, sort of 60 yards. My knees started shaking, you know, because I knew it was going to be a good fish. And then, it's not that easy to walk around in a boat in a big wind either, you know. So, Again, through experience, I've done it a couple of times. And then the first time I see the fish, he came towards the boat, did the usual trick, dived underneath, and then I put the rod into the water. And as I'm doing this, the wave came and splashed me and soaked me. But at this point then, I lifted the rod. This time he stayed in front of the boat. The wind just drops. A gentle wave. At this point, he was about... Literally 20 foot away. And this is the first time I've seen him. And he leapt out and back in like a dolphin. In slow motion. As if to take a look at who I was. And he went down deep and deep and deep and deep. And the line was going zit, 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 down, down, down. And then as if to say, I'm going to have one more run at this. He goes round then to the back of the boat. Screamed off again. For the third time. Again, must have been about 60 yards, a, a, a good way, you know. And then my knees started shaking. I started getting tired and exhausted because it was over half hour I had this fish on at this point. And not only is it physically tiring, it's mentally. Because at this point, when you have a fish on and you've seen it, you really don't want it to come off, which I have had in the past. And that's another story. So anyway, this fish came in, came closer and closer. And then for the first time, just come up to the surface. I put my net in. And there's like slow motion. And then as soon as I had the fish in the net, the sky just emptied with hailstones. It was unreal. 
never experienced it up to then and I've never experienced it since it was lashing down with like marble sized hail so I quickly lifted the fish over the gunnels into the boat and it was that point I thought jeez that's some fish I could be a 20 so but at this stage now it was hurting this hail so he started the engine I thought I gotta get shelter so I just motored up then towards the rear of one of the islands, pushed the boat onto the shore, out of the wind at least. The hail was still coming down. But when I got to the shore in the shelter, I looked at the bottom of the boat and it was white and it looked like snow. It was just covered in ice. And coming out of the ice then was this pristine-looking, beautiful ferox. And I couldn't have been happier. I just looked up to the sky and the hail was hurting me at this stage. And I just roared from the bottom of my feet the release of all the weeks and the years previous looking for a specimen and having lost them along the way. And unless you experienced it, something you want to achieve and you've actually done it, you've got to pinch yourself. And after I roared, the hail stopped. First thing I did then, slip him in the sling. It was time to use my brand new Rapala scales. Lifted the fish up. The scales went 19 and a half pounds. It wasn't quite the 20, but that'll do for me. And to this day, it's the second biggest ferox I've had. I've had many teens since. And of course, the record, which actually is another story when keeping for another day. And strangely enough, the spot where I caught this 19 pound trout was the same area I had my record trout of 23.12 and to make it doubly strange I caught it a year to the day I caught this one so this location is a great spot for me if you've enjoyed listening to this story of my 19 pound ferox why not join me next year give us a shout and experience yourself the magic the Corrib has to offer If this is your first time tuning in, make sure you catch all future episodes by clicking subscribe via the links on my website, castingwithkerryjones.com, or via iTunes or your favourite podcatcher. If you like what you've heard on this episode, feel free to drop me a line via my website. Tell me what you've enjoyed, ask a question, or better yet, tell me what you want to hear more of in the future. And if you're looking for additional tips, tackle reviews or venue information, or just want to see what's been hitting the back of my net lately, search up Casting with Kerry Jones on Facebook or follow me on Instagram. And if you still want more, I'm regularly uploading video content onto the Casting with Kerry Jones YouTube channel, so just check that out and subscribe over there too. Wherever you follow, subscribe, comment or message, I look forward to catching up soon for a good fishing chat. Well, I think that's all for now. So until next time, tight lines and don't strike too soon. <laughs>